Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. You may have heard sermons about the mustard seed revealing the kingdom of God, but did you know that it's the combination of the tree in which the seed grows into and the seed itself that reveal a deeper level of the kingdom of God? You're listening to Windows on the Word, The Mustard Seed by Reverend Peter Yonker. Our Bible reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. Short reading, just verses 31 and 32, and we are continuing our series, Windows on the Word. So these are all stories that are depicted in our windows. And of all the the sermons in this series, I'm quite confident that this is the hardest one to find, uh, the parable of the mustard seed. Uh, I can't see it from where I'm standing. Most of you probably won't be able to see it. It's way in the back corner. Uh, at the bottom, you know, our balcony doesn't come uh, straight across. It cuts like that. Right in that nook behind that west corner of the balcony, you will find the image of the mustard seed parable. So if you want to see it, you should look at the front of your bulletin. That's a much better place to see it. And if you look, you'll see that, that parable depicted. You get the trunk of the tree, you get the branches with the leaves, You can see the birds of the air coming to nest in the branches, right? And if you look at the bottom of the trunk, you see that light brown oval? There's your mustard seed, right? Growing up into the tree where the birds come to nest. Let's read the parable as Jesus tells it. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds can come and perch in its branches. This is the word of the Lord. Before I get to talking about this parable, I want to talk about hardware. Yes, hardware. You'll understand why. In my lifetime, and if you're my age or a little bit older, you will know that the delivery of hardware, the selling of hardware, has changed dramatically over the last 55 years. When I was a kid growing up in my town, hardware uh, was delivered in a lot of little stores, a lot of little hardware stores, little ma and pa operations all over town. And these are small things located in neighborhoods, and when you went into them, they were densely packed, right? Aisles stacked to the brim with with hammers and and screwdrivers and nails and fasteners and plumbing stuff and paint and all the stuff you needed to do, a project were jammed into that place. And the people who ran the shop were either the people who owned it or either the managers, they were the ones who owned the franchise. And they knew you by name. They are very personal and real helpful, right? They knew their stuff. If you had a project problem, you asked them, they, they could help you with that. Those are great little stores. But... Uh, they were small, so you know, often they didn't have what you needed, and you had to go to another store, and then maybe another store, and, or they could order it in, and that took you know, seven to ten days. There are still some of these stores around, but far, far fewer of them. They have been replaced by the hardware megastore, Menards, Lowe's, Home Depot. These are temples of hardware. You walk into them, and they have what you need, and then some, right? And they are not located in neighborhoods. 
right? They're located at the corners of busy intersections, close to interstates, out in commercial districts. It's a totally different paradigm. They're convenient. They have almost certainly what you need. Service isn't quite as good. They certainly don't know your name. But they're friendly people, and you probably only have to stop once, and the prices are right. These big mega stores have totally eaten up most of the mom-pa stores, so the hardware landscape has totally changed. Something similar has happened in the world of churches. Fifty years ago, most churches were small and medium-sized. And where were they located? Neighborhoods. Next to schools. Next to homes. You could walk to them if that was your church. In Grand Rapids, in the 50s and 60s, most people walked to their church on the southeast side. That's how it was. But in the 80s and in the 90s, and this started already in the 70s, what happened? You got the megachurch. These megachurches were big, sprawling affairs that had every facility and every need. They were not located in neighborhoods. They were located in commercial districts, at busy intersections, close to the interstate, because they were accessible. And these had everything you need, right? They had amazing production on Sunday morning. You go to some of these churches, they have the production quality of a Broadway show. And they got preachers who can hold you in the palm of their hand week after week after week. And they got musicians who are incredible. And they don't just have a paid, one paid youth leader. They got a paid youth leader full-time at every level, high school, middle school, preschool, with a staff. Everything you can want. It's not quite as personal, but everything you need can be found in these churches. And what's happened? Mega churches continue to grow. Look at the, even though overall religion is shrinking, Christianity is shrinking in America, or static at best, megachurches continue to grow. An increasing percentage of Christian people go to megachurches on Sunday morning, and little churches, small churches, they're shrinking. And as I think you probably know, many of them have completely closed. These commercial trends, hardware and faith, are weirdly aligned. And if you look forward, you can see it's still going, right? So Home Depot and Lowe's, they used to be top of the food chain. Nobody threatened them. That's not true anymore. Who's threatening Lowe's and Home Depot now? Online retailing, right? Amazon. I bought a leaf blower last fall. Guess where I bought it? Amazon. I didn't buy it at Lowe's. It's great. It was cheap. Same thing's happening in churches. Been accelerated by the pandemic. All of a sudden, you realize there are some incredible online church experiences. And I'm not limited by Grand Rapids. Or maybe there's a church in California with an amazing preacher and the music is just how I like it. Or maybe in Florida or Hornos, maybe even in Canada, there's the perfect church. <laughs> they laughed this morning at that too. I don't understand why you wouldn't think that was true. It's just a mystery to me. Right? Never in my time as a minister, and I'm sure this is true of most of you, has the future of the church been so uncertain. We don't know what the church is going to look like. There's so many things up in the air. There's so many things that we're uncertain about. We just started a long-range plan 
here at LaGrave, never has it been so hard to see forward as it is right now. In this time of church uncertainty, where it's hard for us to know who we are and what we're supposed to do, Matthew 13 is a great chapter to spend some time. Because in Matthew 13, Jesus is standing by the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and he's teaching all the people who are coming towards him. He's teaching his disciples the nature of the kingdom, the fundamentals, the basics. Seven times in this chapter, if you read it, Jesus starts a story or a saying by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. He's trying to teach us the fundamentals. And that will show us how to be church. Now, we're not the kingdom. You are not the kingdom. You're the church. But that means that as a church, your job is to proclaim the kingdom, to represent the kingdom, and insofar as it is possible, to build the kingdom. So when we listen to Jesus talking about the basics of the kingdom, we can learn about who we are called to be. The kingdom of heaven is like seven times. Now that's kind of a grand beginning, isn't it? The kingdom of heaven. When Jesus starts that way, it, it sounds like something amazing is about to be revealed to us. I'm about to reveal to you, ladies and gentlemen, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. This is the strongest kingdom that has ever been. Every knee shall bow to this kingdom and every king shall submit. Friends, I'm going to open the golden curtain and you will see behind the curtain to the secret, the center of the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus starts like that, what do you expect to see? Maybe St. Peter's, the Vatican, on Easter morning with thousands and thousands of worshipers in the square, the sun shining down. Maybe an enormous American megachurch, 10,000 people worshiping their hands raised, tears streaming down their face. Maybe because it's the kingdom of heaven, you expect a revelation, like the, the, the skies to open up and ranks upon ranks of angels with the rider on the white horse leading them forward into battle, see his banners roll. But instead, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he opens his hands, and in the palm of his hands is a tiny seed, a mustard seed, the size of the head of a pin. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like this seed grown into a tree. How does that image help us understand who we are in these confusing times, two ways. We can learn the fundamentals of the church both by the seed and by the tree that it becomes. Both the tree and the seed teach us something about the true center of the church and the kingdom. Let's start with the tree. Now the mustard, and I think the thing the tree teaches us is that the kingdom of heaven is something plain. The mustard tree if you would see it in Israel today, if you go to Judah and see a mustard tree, uh, not, a very, not a very attractive tree. There are lots of trees and plants in this world that will stop you in your tracks, right? Like a rhododendron bush in bloom in spring. You see that on your neighborhood walk and it's like, wow. Or maple trees in a Michigan fall. People literally drive hundreds of miles to see the colors of the maple tree in the fall. Right? There's lots of plants that are like, wow, they're amazing. Mustard tree is not like that. It's, it's barely a tree, to be honest. It grows about 12 feet tall at its tallest, and 
the branches of it, it, it all, it's sort of half tree and half bush. They're really, really scrubby, okay? It's like a dense bush, right? It's not these nice leaves with the elegant branches. It's this dense, scrubby thing on a stalk. But don't be fooled by its plain appearance. Because in Palestine, the mustard tree is a giver of life. Its roots prevent erosion in that dry climate. And its canopy is very dense, right? It's like a scrubby bush, but that's good because you want to get some shade, some real shade you get under it, and you are completely protected from the sun and cooled. And if you're a bird and you're looking for a place where the predators can't get you, those dense branches are just what you need. That's a terrific place to build a nest for your young because your hatchlings will be safe. That mustard tree may not look like much. It may be plain, but it is a giver of life. So it is with the kingdom of God and the work of the church. We're members of the grave. The grave has a lot of sort of rhododendron things about it, things that will make you stop in your tracks and say, wow, these stained glass windows. If you're not a member, people who are not members walking here, they go, oh, wow, this is a beautiful church. Our music, the choir, the organ, you know, one of Larry's postludes, it's so loud it shakes your, shakes your chest. Oh, wow. And those are great things. But Jesus reminds us that the work at the heart of the kingdom is plain and it is scrubby. We had a four-hour council meeting on Monday. I kid you not, four hours long. It was council for two and a half hours, and then elders for an hour and a half after that. The council meeting, we did some really important things. It was a really good meeting. And then the reason the elders meeting went so long was because it was talking about all the visits that were done at Christmas time. At Christmas, we always deliver poinsettias to all the widows and widowers who want plants. We deliver them. And there's a lot of widows and widowers, so there were a lot of visits. So we combine those poinsettia deliveries with phone calls and people checking in with sick people and normal house visits, there must have been 100 visits that were done over the last couple months. On their own, these visits are pretty ordinary and scrubby things. I delivered my poinsettia to Mrs. Vanersma. Took a while. I rang the doorbell like three times. I don't think she could hear me very well. And it was really cold, and I was really worried about this plant, these poinsettias. You know, they don't do so well in the cold. But she finally answered and came in, and we sat for about 10 minutes in the front room. I asked her how she was going. She said she was worried about her kids. She wanted me to pray for them. She said her hip's been bothering her. Maybe this, this summer she was going to have a, a hip replacement. She wasn't sure. I said, tell us, let us know, and we'll pray for you. That's a pretty ordinary encounter. But in that meeting... When you hear that same sort of encounter over and over and over again, when you get a hundred of those kinds of meetings together, and I assure you this is true of every elder who was in that meeting, you get a sense of the Holy Spirit weaving the essential fabric of the church. When you put all those scrubby visits together, you begin to see that this bush may be plain, but the bush is on fire like Moses' bush in the desert with the glory of God. That ordinary plain stuff is the heart of the church. I love our windows, 
But if our windows are taken away, we could still be the church. I love our organ. But if our organ were taken away, and I know that some of you, that's your worst nightmare. If our organ was taken away, we could still be the church. I love being your minister. I love being paid to get up here and to work all week to preach these sermons. But if I was taken away, you could still be the church. The essentials are a group of people who love each other, who gather around God's word, who encourage each other as they go through the hard things, who celebrate each with each other when they go through the good things, keep their eyes focused on Jesus, and embody the kingdom in this world. That's all it takes. That's the essentials, that plain, small stuff. Jesus reminds us that you could be a fancy downtown church with all sorts of stuff that goes wow. You could be an enormous mega church with 20,000 members. But if you're not seeing that fabric, that connection, that simple, plain love on the ground level, you are missing the essentials. The other thing that this parable teaches about the true nature of the church is the more conventional lesson, the lesson you probably were expecting, and that's that Jesus only needs tiny little things to do wonderful work through the power of the Holy Spirit. He just needs your mustard seed. You don't need to take an enormous risk. You don't need to do something sort of heroic. You don't need to be enormously gifted. All you have to do is something small. Cynthia Ruloffs, a member of this church, died just before Christmas. December 23, she died. 93 years old, longtime member of this church, balcony dweller, blessed be their names. She always sat up there. Cynthia Ruloffs, I was really sad to lose her because she was a mustard seedy kind of person. She was not flashy, but she did all sorts of little things every day to lift up people around her. And one of the things she was really good at was writing cards. I received a number of cards over my ministry from her, and they were always, there was always a whole panel of writing, right? She wrote down the whole one side, and it wasn't just cliches. It was always like she was thinking about what your life must be like, and then she was trying to think of just the right Bible passage to say to encourage you. It was always a great card. So Cynthia died on December 23, and I think it was in the middle of the month, it was like December 15, I heard from the family that she had suddenly taken a turn and she was uncommunicative. She was essentially in a coma and the family was going down to see her. It was, I think I heard on a Wednesday. That night, I went home and in my mailbox was a card from Cynthia. And I opened it up, and sure enough, a whole panel of writing. Shakier than usual, but it was all there. It was half Christmas card and half card of sympathy comforting my family when we lost my mother-in-law. This woman who was 10 days away from her own death, speaking words of resurrection comfort to me. In that moment, I could see that mustard seed of that card grow into a tree, and I was a bird taking refuge in its branches. I need to say one more thing. When Jesus told this parable of the kingdom, the parable of the mustard seed, he wasn't just talking about the kind of work that you do and I do and Cynthia did. 
he was talking about himself. He is the mustard seed. Remember in, in John chapter 12, some people come to Jesus and Jesus says to them, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it just remains a seed. But if it dies, if it is planted, it becomes many seeds. Remember Jesus says that, talking about himself? He's that seed. He's the mustard seed. He's both small and he's plain. A baby born to poor people in a stable, in a manger, and that small, simple seed is planted in death in the tomb. And when he rises, a shoot comes up from the stump of Jesse. The true vine takes root in the world, and its branches begin to spread. And they spread from Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And now there are branches of that tree everywhere. Everywhere, every nation, tribe, and language, all over the world, there are branches of that tree where people gather and enjoy each other's company and lift each other up, and the fruit of the Spirit hangs heavy. And one of those branches is on the grave avenue. And you are the birds of the air taking refuge in that branch. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your kingdom and your church. This beautiful thing in a world that goes up and down and all around, Lord, from eternity you have planted this strong, stable thing that is rooted in Jesus Christ, our Lord, your Son. Lord, thank you for the refuge that the church provides us. We pray that you will give us the strength to be mustard seed people, gracing each other in this world. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.